Standing in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. Today I'm joined by Wheat Pete Peter Johnson, an agronomist with Real Agriculture. Peter has extensive experience with all things field crops and is especially passionate about wheat. He hosts the weekly podcast, Wheat Pete's Word, which answers producers' agronomy questions and highlights what is going on in the world of field crops. Today, he's joining me to tackle the topic of seeding red clover into winter wheat. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for joining me today. There's been lots of talk about soil health and cover crops lately. Um, We have some really good provincial funding right now to help with cover crops, and they're likely going to play a really big role in our Living Labs projects, which are starting this spring. I think that one of the certainly easiest ways to incorporate cover crops into a rotation is with red clover in winter wheat. And I believe that you're a a big fan of this practice as well. So let's start there. Why should we seed red clover into winter wheat? Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. And and thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, if growers have questions, for goodness sakes, fire them in because I I love feedback. Absolutely love feedback. And you are so right. Gosh, one of the biggest frustrations that I have here in Ontario is that whenever they come out with a cover crop program, because we've promoted red clover for so long, they almost always say, well, red clover doesn't count because growers are doing it anyway. And I go, what? It's the best cover crop in wheat there is. What yeah. do you mean? <laughs> like they'll pay me to plant oats, which which are a good cover crop, but not as good as red clover. And right. they won't pay me. <laughs> so, so you just go, this is just wrong. So, so why plant red clover in wheat? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but the biggest reason is that it is the one cover crop where we have just all sorts of replicated research data that shows that the subsequent crop will yield more. Mm -hmm. And it yields more, even if we don't factor in the nitrogen benefit from the red clover crop. So if, if we grow corn following wheat underseeded to red clover, we will get somewhere between five and eight bushels more corn than as if we just grew wheat. And mm-hmm. I mean, wheat is great in the rotation, but red clover, just it's just that next step. And so the bigger question is, why wouldn't you underseed red clover in your winter wheat crop? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like like there's, there's very little downside and the, the benefits are really quite significant. And, and so then right away, Caitlin, you should be saying, well, wait a minute, Johnson. Like if that's <laughs> the case, why doesn't every grower in Ontario seed red clover? <laughs> there you and, go. Why don't they? Yeah. And, and the answer is that, that we don't always get consistent stands. Yeah, totally. And, and that is the, the biggest challenge. So I'm a farmer. I mean, I'm, I, that's, I farm in my spare time. I'm not a real farmer. I'm a hobby farmer. I only have 300 <laughs> acres, but, but regardless. Well, I 300 see- acres in Nova Scotia is, you know, <laughs> yeah, not bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All things are relative. My, yeah. my, my neighbors across the road, they just, uh, they shake their head at me because <laughs> I'm never on time. I'm always busy doing other stuff, but my red clover it just, I, I don't get a consistent stand. I'm one of mm-hmm. those growers and I have tried and tried and tried and I continue to try. But if you get a, a consistent stand, what's really interesting about red clover 
is I have growers that 98% of the time, they get a beautiful stand of red clover. And those growers, they always do. And then Mm -hmm. I get growers like myself that we struggle and we struggle and we struggle. And we have yet to sort out what that difference is. But if you have growers that haven't tried it before, try it. If you get a red clover stand, keep doing it because it just brings so many benefits. Mm-hmm. And I, from a pollinator standpoint, the bees love it. If it get, if absolutely you, right, if it if it gets to flower, the bees absolutely love it. There's just a whole bunch of things like that that it brings to the table. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And I, I think that that's um, one of the things that holds people back is thinking that maybe they won't get a good stand. But you're saying just try it and, and see see what you get. Start yep, somewhere. Abs- absolutely, and, and the better the wheat you grow then then it makes it a little tougher maybe on on the red clover but it's not like i have growers that grow 125 bushel per acre wheat and mm-hmm. always get beautiful red clover so awesome it like it's just there are some things and we can talk about those things you know around establishment but man you you just got to try it you just have to try it and yeah and drive on from there no sounds good um, so you mentioned nitrogen for the next crop. So how much of a nitrogen credit can we count on or or can we possibly get from a red clover crop? Yeah, so it will be somewhat predicated on the actual amount of red clover growth that you get right. or how good the stand is. But what has really surprised us, because you would think if I have a thin red clover stand and it's dry and I don't get a lot of growth, you would immediately say, well, that doesn't give me very much. And if I have red clover that is waist high and thick, (laughs) thick, thick, you'd say, whoa, baby, that's awesome. (laughs) But you know, what's really surprising is that the difference between the two stands is much closer than you would expect. That thick waist high stuff, you'd think, oh, there's got to be four times as much nitrogen there, but there's not. You, so on a really good red clover stand, if it's waist high and, and really does well, you probably get close to 100 pounds of nitrogen. Okay. And the research data that we have really says 75 pounds. If you have a, a reasonable stand of red clover, yeah. 75 pounds if you're a conventional tiller. If you're a no tiller, you actually get 10% less than that. Okay. So, and you might say, well, why is that? I think it's because... <laughs> because the no-till soil stays a little bit wetter, a little right. bit cooler. So yeah. the release is a little different. Maybe you lose a little bit more, but still it's 75 pounds conventional tillage, 68 pounds in a, in a no-till situation. Yeah, still great. Right, exactly. <laughs> with, with nitrogen at $1.20 a pound, yeah. we're pushing a hundred bucks worth of nitrogen out of that red clover. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're not spending that much on seed. Exactly. I mean, gosh, <laughs> the, yeah, it just... The, the seed cost is pretty minimal. That thin, not so good clover, like it's still 60 pounds of nitrogen. We don't give up that much yeah. compared to the 75 we would normally expect. So that was a real surprise. Bill Dean's research that showed us that, and that was a real surprise, hmm. but uh, pretty significant benefits if you, if you have anywhere close to a reasonable stand whatsoever. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good reason to do it for sure. So aside from the nitrogen credit, how would red clover compare to something like a cover crop that you would seed after you've harvested your wheat? So say like an oat pea mixture. 
Yeah, and that's a really great question. And by the way, I love oats. When my red clover fails, <laughs> what do I do? I go and I and drill oats in, into, yeah, into the red clover because we have to grow roots. Don't let that soil sit bare. Yeah. But when you say, how does it compare? The beauty of red clover is that everything it does seems to just tie extremely well with the corn crop. Mm -hmm. And so if corn is following wheat with red clover or barley with red clover or whatever, uh, the yep. red clover is the underseed, mm -hmm. the red clover, the, the tilth in the soil seems to do wonderful things for the corn crop. The oats will as well, but the oat pea combination, the peas actually dump their nitrogen too early. They right. the, the pea nitrogen doesn't help the corn crop at all, which is sort of weird. We've had 220 pounds of nitrogen in a pea cover crop before mm -hmm. we grew corn. And we got 15 pounds of that 220 pound nitrogen credit oh to, trans <laughs> right, to, to transfer to the corn crop. And you go, how could that be? But yeah. it's, it's all about, it's about timing, timing. of release. Yeah, totally. And so red clover is timed with corn. And, yeah. and from that perspective, how does it compare to an oat crop? The oat crop is awesome. I mean, it does great things for soil health. It's mycorrhizal. There's lots of positives. Mm -hmm. The downside of the oat crop is that it actually ties up nitrogen. And right. so in Western Canada this past year, super dry year, they harvested their wheat and because the wheat yields were like 20 bushels and they measured mm -hmm. their soil nitrogen, they had 120 pounds of soil nitrogen. And then the doggone wheat crop regrew because oh. they got rain and it regrew in the fall and they went from 120 pounds of available nitrogen to 30 pounds of available nitrogen. Oh yeah, wow. And so it sucked that nitrogen up and now they don't have it for the next crop. And so that's sort of the downside of the oat crop. If you look at a rye right. crop, for example, you need 60 pounds more nitrogen with mm -hmm. a rye cover crop than as if you had nothing. And so with that oat growth, the downside really is that nitrogen management becomes a little different. Mm -hmm. and, and so how does it compare from a soil health standpoint? They're both great from, mm -hmm. you know, building mycorrhizae in the soil. They're both great from timing of re nutrient release for the next crop. Red clover is just miles better. So when do we want to be seeding the red clover? I know we talk about frost seeding it sometimes. So and what would be ideal conditions for that? Yeah. And, and so we looked at a number of different timings. And I mean, we have growers that will actually seed it when they seed the winter wheat in the fall. Okay. That's about a 50% success rate. Mm. And so if you seed it that early in the fall, it's like alfalfa. It's got to get enough root reserves in the crown to make it through. And, and about half the time yeah. it does, half the time it doesn't. And the other downside of, of that fall seeded stuff is it's more aggressive with mm -hmm. the crop itself. So I'm reluctant to go there. We tried it in December. For us, December doesn't work. I don't think it would work in Nova Scotia. No, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you, you, you get the January thaw, the stupid stuff germinates, yes. and then you get the February, you know, cold spell. <laughs> yeah. Typically for us in Ontario, March has been the best time. Mm -hmm. Some growers will do it in February. Uh, we've done it as late as May. So, oh, wow. you know, you get caught and if you get the right weather after all of those timings work, right. But middle of March, just, you know, frost seeding, just as the snow is gone, maybe there's still some snow in the, in the snow bank along the edge of the field, but not, mm -hmm. not four feet of snow, hopefully. Right. <laughs> right. 
but the, most of the snow is gone. And then you, you get maple syrup weather. When you say, yeah. what are the ideal conditions? It's maple syrup weather. And it's nice if you have, you know, a four-wheeler with heated handlebars or, <laughs> a, you know, a, a side-by-side -side with a cab because yes. it's a cold, pretty cold job if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but that night it goes down to minus three, minus four. You're out there at daybreak and you're just, well, and actually with GPS now we can do it all night long just so you don't cause any compaction. The one thing I will say is be careful. And, and I was surprised at this, but I've seen it enough now that, that it is a watch out because sometimes you get those early spring conditions and it'll, that night will go to minus 15 mm -hmm. and you say, well, I can go spread clover. If you're below about minus 11, minus 12 Celsius, mm -hmm. the wheat leaves are frozen enough that the four wheeler or whatever you're using to apply the clover running over the wheat will actually damage those wheat leaves. Mm. You can actually see that almost all year long. I was really surprised that you could see it as long as you could. So it can be too cold. I, before I would have said, I don't think it can be, but I've seen it enough times. It mm. can be too cold, but it's no fun being out there at minus 15 on, on a four wheeler anyway, like that just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too no. cold. If you have to wear your really like thick snowsuit, then it's yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. too soon. What kind of a seeding rate should we be looking for? So that's a really great question. And I mean, we've done all sorts of trials on this. And if you, if you think about, you know, how many seeds per square foot do I actually need? Mm -hmm. If every red clover seed grew, mm. a pound would be lots. Right. But that never happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and so our standard recommendation is, you know, kind of in that six to eight pounds and more and more we're leaning towards the eight pounds. Mm -hmm. Some of my dedicated red clover growers, they're at 12 pounds and they oh, really wow. believe that 12 pounds gives them a more consistent, more uniform stand than eight pounds. It's not what our research data would suggest, but mm -hmm. And they, they'll look at that and say, even at 12 pounds, the cost isn't that much. It's, you know, it's the same number cost to drive over the field. And, mm -hmm. and the value is worth putting that extra seed on to make sure we have that consistent stand. So I would say to growers, you know, do it at, at seven or eight pounds to start with, but do a strip in your field at 12 pounds or, mm -hmm. or double up one strip, even if you're at 14 pounds, just to see if seeding rate makes a difference. Right. And if it does, then up the seeding rate. But typically we'd start at that kind of seven to eight pound per acre range. What about single cut versus double cut clover? Yeah. And so the one thing about single cut is that it's a, a true winter annual or, or it's like winter wheat. It has to be vernalized. Mm -hmm. And so if I seed single cut clover into that winter wheat crop, it will never shoot to flower. Mm -hmm. And so it'll only ever get you know, maybe eight inches tall. Right. And so if you're looking to harvest that as a forage, or you want it to flower for the bees to harvest some honey and nectar off of, or uh, you're never going to see that with single cut. Mm -hmm. The beauty of that is if that I, if I have some thin spots in the winter wheat field, you know, I have a low spot that got sort of winter killed out. Well, my single cut's never going to cause a problem at harvest. The wheat will always be taller than the single cut, so I can harvest it without any issues. Yeah. It, double cut, it's not like <laughs> that. It's going to flower in the first year. Yeah. Uh, it Double cut is slightly more aggressive as a seedling, which means that 
it might establish a hair better. The difference is very small, but once in a while we'll see a little bit better stand with, with double cut and you get you can get the hay crop and every, everything else. But if you have the thin stands, then it can be a problem at harvest. We, we, there's some ways yeah. we can deal with that, but, but that's really the two differences. From, a, from an actual nitrogen standpoint, single cut is 90% the value of double cut. Okay. So even, and, and again, it comes back to this, do I need a big, tall growth of clover to get nitrogen credit? No, it's the roots that matter. <laughs> single cut actually grows more roots than double cut. So even though I only get a little bit of above ground growth, I still get the roots and I still get almost the same nitrogen credit. So uh, I think, you know, in a perfect world with a great wheat stand, I always go to double cut. Right. But if I have a marginal wheat stand, then it's single cut all the way. Yeah. So would that be a good introductory? If you're going to try it for the first time, maybe try single cut. Yeah. I like that concept. Try it that just so that it doesn't, you, I don't want people to have a sour taste the first time <laughs> out and and if they're they're trying to combine the wheat and it's it's a hay crop coming out the back of the combine, yeah. eh, that's just no fun whatsoever. So give single cut a go and see how you make a good good plan, Caitlin. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that holds people back a little too is they're nervous of what it's going to be like at harvest time. Like, are there going to be issues with that red clover that are coming up the combine or, as you said, putting hay out the back? Or... Yep. If you, if you have double cut and you get caught in that situation where the red clover does get as tall as the wheat, and Shane and I, my technician, we, we do plots all the time in wheat. And if you want to see red clover as tall as the wheat, just <laughs> don't put any nitrogen on the wheat crop. Oh. So we do nitrogen trials and yeah. we put zero strips in. Mm -hmm. And wherever we put the zero strip in, Oh, it's just a nightmare. Even, oh, really? even if the rest of the field is fine, but the wheat with no nitrogen just isn't competitive anymore. And right. then the red clover can, can come through. But if you get caught in that, Aragon. Aragon okay. will burn the top of the clover. It won't kill the clover, mm -hmm. but it will burn the top 10, 12 inches of the clover back. And it takes probably seven to 10 days, maybe depends on the weather, maybe up to two weeks, but, but you'll get an opportunity where you have at least a foot of wheat that you can harvest without getting into the clover. Right. And then the, the clover will take off and regrow and, and still be there as a cover crop. So there is a rescue okay. if you get caught in that scenario, but yeah. I'd rather not use that rescue if I didn't have to. Yeah, for sure. And not ideal if you're trying to get any straw off of it. Either, right but no exactly if, if at least you could get your crop <laughs> right if you're after the straw then single cut probably most of the time is the better choice yeah when we're putting the clover in you said that no nitrogen the clover is really taking off <laughs> so do we need to change the way we're managing our nitrogen when we have clover in and, and so that's a great question. When you sent me that question, I had to think about it because originally <laughs> I said, nah, we don't change it at all. But then I thought, you know, we really should. And actually, mm -hmm. we really should in order to try to help get the clover to establish. And so right. anytime we damage the clover seedlings, remember, we, we spread it in March and then we go out to put the nitrogen on maybe in late April. Mm -hmm. So those clover seedlings are there. They're little wee guys. They maybe are unifoliate, first trifoliate stage. They're struggling because the wheat's already up and going. And 
if you go through, and we've seen this, if you go through with 28% nitrogen, which by the way, we love as a nitrogen source because it's perfectly uniform application. Mm -hmm. But if you go through and you really nail those clover plants with a lot of that liquid nitrogen, you can actually burn the foliage back. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if you're a one shot and done, 120, 135 pounds of nitrogen. So, you know, 40, 45 gallons of 28%. Mm -hmm. And it's a low humidity day. You're, you got to get the job done. It's going to rain tomorrow. We have seen where 28% will reduce the clover stand and dry urea will not. Okay. So the dry urea is not going to burn the foliage. Right. And so when you say, should we change our nitrogen management? To get that clover to establish, I now actually recommend growers split apply their nitrogen mm -hmm. so that we go through the first time with maybe 25 gallons of 28. So if it does hit the clover, it's not as, as heavy a dose. It, it maybe stings it, but it doesn't do as much injury. And then we come back the second time with the other 50 pounds of nitrogen yeah. or, or whatever the top up is and, and try to split that out. Or as I say, dry fertilizer is a little bit easier on the clover. Right. I do like the split application, again, to support the clover because 150 pounds of nitrogen all up front makes the wheat really, really aggressive. Mm -hmm. A lot of vegetative growth. If we hit it with 75 or 90 pounds up front, it's, it's still aggressive, but it's not as aggressive mm -hmm. and it gives clover a little bit better chance. So, so do you change your management? Not a lot, but I think you, th you have to start thinking about can I change it to help make sure I get that clover stand and right. so that's where the change happens. So is there any potential detriment to our wheat crop? We talked a little bit about straw quality but what about yield? So if you think about red clover as a weed so the one thing we know about weeds is what so Caitlin if if weeds are going to be competitive what is the most competitive weed? A weed that emerges, you know, before the crop, with the crop, or after the crop? Before the crop? Yeah, before the crop. Absolutely. <laughs> no, 100%. Because if the weed is there, and it's up this big, and my poor wheat crop is just coming up one, you know, one little leaf, yeah. oh man, the competition's horrible. Right. But if you think about red clover in winter wheat, well, my winter wheat crop is established. It's mm -hmm. it, depending on when it got planted. It might have three leaves. It might have five leaves. It might have seven tillers. It might be <laughs> thick like your lawn. No, that poor red clover plant underneath there, it does well just to survive, period. It has to fight. <laughs> right. And so it, unless you have a super thin stand of wheat where the clover does grow up and get really competitive, and, mm -hmm. and in those cases, you have poor wheat yield to begin with. Yeah. Uh, no, red clover doesn't, doesn't have any negative impact from a yield standpoint. The one kicker, and I know that there's some horse people mm -hmm. who, if there's red clover in the straw, they say that it, it is really negative to the, the horses. Red clover is bad for being dusty. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's bad for horses. And so if you're selling straw to horse farmers, then red clover can be a bit problematic. Mm -hmm. If you windrow the straw, even though your clover is small, and then you get a month of rain, then sometimes you have to rake the straw out of the red clover to get it up on top of the red clover to bale it. So, right. so there's, 
there, there are some extenuating circumstances where that red clover could be problematic, but if you're right. quick, right? Like if you're quick, if you, if you combine, combine it today and bail a straw tomorrow, then there's very little downside from that standpoint. The only other, the only other thing that maybe we think about from a weed mm -hmm. control standpoint is that with the red clover in the winter wheat crop, it does limit my herbicide options. Right. Yes. Yeah, and that's so, an important consideration. Yeah, and they'd have to come to you, Caitlin. Like I can, I can talk about what works in Ontario, but it's got to be <laughs> registered in in Nova Scotia as well, right? And so, yeah. uh, and and you guys are like, there's just different regional differences, and I always got to be careful with that. If you think that you'd like to do red clover into your winter wheat, and you go out in the or you know in March when you want to put it on, and it looks like the winter wheat isn't really in great shape then that maybe that's the situation where you don't try it right or if you're going to try it you make sure you're going with single cut yeah right you you say and i've made that decision on my own farm before it's mm -hmm. like yeah i didn't get the wheat planted till the 30th of october it's looking a little bit sketchy better be yeah. single cut so once we've got the clover established we've taken our wheat crop off when are you going to terminate the clover crop what are the pros and cons between like a fall termination timing and a spring termination timing ahead of your corn at the end of the day and it depends a little bit on your tillage system if you're mm -hmm. a if you're a moldboard plow tillage person you're going to plow it in the fall there's not too many places you can plow in the spring you know if if you're a moldboard plow person then you're terminating in the fall anyway because the moldboard plow is going to give you 98 percent control you mm -hmm. flip that furrow the clover's dead if you're a reduced tillage person, and be careful with this, like even the chisel plow, you are mm -hmm. not going to get 100% control. And if you're a high speed disc person or, you know, spring cultivator or whatever, like there's all those other reduced tillage systems, the clover will still be there. Yeah. And so you, you better, you better count on some kind of herbicide to take it out. Yeah. The beauty of taking it out in the fall is it just makes planting that much easier in the spring. If you've never done it before, kill it in the fall. Mm -hmm. And if you want to start playing more down the road, okay. I have growers who, who will always leave it till the next spring. And they say, I get more nitrogen credit because mm -hmm. it's actually making nitrogen in the spring before I terminate it. And they're right. Bill Dean had a grad student that looked at that and you do, you can get another extra 20, 30 pounds of nitrogen. Mm -hmm. But if you have trouble with the planting process and Craig Dury, he's a researcher with Agri-Food Canada down at the Harrow Research Station, and he looked at red clover and whenever he terminated in the spring, he couldn't deal with the root balls and he mm. screwed up his corn stand. So instead of right. having 32, 34,000, he'd have 24,000 and he lost yield. Yeah. So the easy answer is, you know, dead in the fall so that it's easy in the spring. And if down the road, you want to start playing around and doing little strips of leaving it alive till spring. Okay, but go slow. Because I mean, the other thing you leave it till the spring slugs become a much bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. And and I expect you have slug problems in, in Nova Scotia, your climate would suggest you should have <laughs> slug problems. So, so there's lots of things where the easy answer is fall kill is is the way to go. Yeah. What I want to see, my ideal ideal system, <laughs> would be kill your red, red clover in the fall, 
fall strip tillage and then plant your corn into your strips in the spring. That would be so, great. And I love that idea. And so Caitlin here, here's one of the dilemmas is that a lot of strip tillers have trouble making a good strip. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the clover is big and big root systems and some of our growers, they will strip till that field immediately mm-hmm. following wheat harvest. And okay. you say, well, well, that doesn't make sense. It kills a clover. Well, yeah, you actually- Just in that strip. Exactly. So you kill the clover in the eight inch strip, but two weeks later or three weeks later, the clover has grown so much that you don't even know where the strips are. Right. You still get all the value of the clover. It it protects from erosion and everything. And then the cool thing about that is then they spray it, you know, in October sometime. Yeah. And and you still can't see the strips, but over the winter- (laughs) The clover just they seems appear. To, right. The clover <laughs> melts away and there's this beautiful strip to plant into and you get the Perfect. best of both worlds. So you you get guys doing that in Nova Scotia. It's a good program. All right. So can we put red clover into spring cereals as well as winter wheat? Yeah, it gets even easier. Oh, spring excellent. cereals. Well, the spring cereal is less competitive. Right. Because you're and, and you're seeding that red clover most of the time at least right at the same time as you're seeding the, the spring cereal and mm-hmm. so it's they're equal at, to start off with and mm-hmm. so the only the only downside would be barley almost never happens oats almost never happen because both barley and oats tiller well and they're very competitive and so the red clover almost never becomes an issue at harvest spring wheat mm. it doesn't tiller much right. and it has quite an open canopy so in that situation, single cut clover is pretty important in spring wheat, so it doesn't become a problem. But no, it's, it's actually easier in spring cereals than it is in winter cereals. So just, just go do it. But yeah, just do it. Perfect. Yeah, no excuse. Get some, exactly. get some red clover out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. My last couple of thoughts that, that I think people do need to be aware of, mm-hmm. because here in Nova Scotia... Prince Edward Island probably might listen to this podcast. You know, red clover does support wireworms. If you have a wireworm problem, by the way, so does your oat peak cover crop. It supports yep. wireworms as well. Like this is, it's not that red clover is worse, but if you're a potato grower, uh, as much as you want the soil health and the nitrogen out of the red clover, it might not be the cover crop for you yeah. in that scenario, like brown no, mustard or, or buckwheat or something like that becomes becomes probably a, a better choice. But yeah. that, I think that's probably the only other, you know, watch out that I would throw out there from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love red clover. I, th- I think it does all sorts of good things. And if you've never tried it, you should. And then my only other comment would be try it and then Make sure you tell Caitlin so she can tell me whether it's working or it's not working, because that's right. how we learn, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We learn by listening to farmers actually trying to do it. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it on a whole field, then just do half the field and see what it's like. You can p- compare the strips. And, and if, if, you, if you'll give funding for the seed, Caitlin, if you have programs, for, like, it's, just, it's a no-brainer, yeah. man. It just it really Absolutely. is. Just do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and, no, uh, appreciate the opportunity, Caitlin. It's good. And uh, yeah, I, I hope we can chat again about something else soon. Yes, definitely. I hope so too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. 
Stay tuned for a written summary of the episode coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting our website, www.perennia.ca. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and our marketing and communications team, Moira Anderson and Patty Ryan for production and design. 